Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 235 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It's Sunday, September 27th, 2020. September's almost over. October is almost here. Duke football can't wait for September to be over because, man, as it had been a tough month for the Gridiron Blue Devils. We will get to them, but first we have to talk a little bit about some comments from Coach K this week. Obviously, before we do any of that, I have to say hello. I'm Sam Klein. I am your host for this episode. I am joined, as always, by Jason Evans and Donald Wine. Jason, hello. How are you? You're wearing a Duke hat today, which normally Jason, when he records, does not wear a hat. But today he is wearing a Duke hat. Why? I went out for a walk and I just wear a hat on my walk and my hair is really gross and disgusting right now. So I'm still wearing my hat. I, I wanted to say that I'm of the belief that there is fan karma. And by fan karma, I mean sometimes you root for a team and things go great and you think, oh man, those fans, they have it all good for them. I'm a Duke fan. It, you know, it is hard to complain when you are a Duke fan, but here is fan karma. I am also a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. And today, for the second week in a row, my team has just blown like a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter. Like they are they are turning into like there's never been an NFL team that has been this bad at winning games that I've that are already over it, that they've already won. So that is my fan karma for today. And I think it means that the Duke basketball team is going to be great this year because the Atlanta Falcons suck. Look, you could just be a long-suffering until a couple of years ago, Washington, D.C. fan, or you could be a Detroit fan like Donald Wine is. Donald, do you feel aggrieved in any sports way this week? Uh, Detroit sucks. We're playing right now. We're up for now. Uh, but I don't want to hear anything from Atlanta fans. They have seen a Super Bowl or two. We have not ever. We've never That's even. True. We, we have one playoff game, one in my lifetime. Wait, I'm wait, 37 wait, can years old. Can, can I ask, because I ask people this all the time, is it better to have made a Super Bowl and lost as ignominiously as the Falcons did, or is it better to have not suffered that kind of pain? 28 to 3. Gentlemen, look, 28 so we, to 3. Next, uh-uh, week on the, no. next week on the Duke Basketball Report podcast, we will bring a Buffalo Bills fan <laughs> on the show. No, no, no. So here's the thing. Here's the thing when I tell my, my Bills people, I'll tell you as, as my Falcons buddy, I will tell you this. Y'all can talk all you want about how, oh, I really wish I would have never made it in, instead of blowing it. For, as someone who has never sniffed it, you want to at least sniff it. I know, because here's the thing. I know if the Lions make the Super Bowl, we're going to lose that crap. We're going to lose it. And we don't have to walk with any expectations except for the fact that we fucking made it. So as long as we do that, I'm fine with it. I'll, I'll, take, the, I'll take the choke. We, it's funny. I was just talking about this with my friends the other day about how the, the Falcons have blown last week and they're about to blow this week. And we're like, look, could we, could we possibly live through this? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. I will take that all the time. So to all you Lions fans out there, y'all feel my pain. Let's just, let's get a playoff game. Let's win a playoff game. It looks like this year that ain't going to happen either. So. Hey, I, I want to point out that we started talking about the Detroit Lions and the episode instantly was has now earned an explicit label. Because, because that's we're what happens when you ask me about the Lions. We can, we can fucking say anything we want this episode. <laughs> Sorry, this is what happens when you put the bring lines into the situation. It just my emotions get all acting up and stuff, and you know that that happens. You get lionized. It's it's a real thing. It's a real condition. We meet at the bar. Except speaking now of, of COVID. Speaking of people who sometimes speak in expletives, 
Coach K oh, put yeah. out a video this week uh, talking to Duke <laughs> fans. He was talking straight to the camera on Duke men's basketball social media pages, anywhere you find Duke men's basketball social media. We're going to talk a little bit about videos from Duke men's basketball social media. I think that's actually the focus of the show today. But we start with Coach K's comments. He had a quick video, and we wanted to play a little bit of that audio for you and react to it just in case you hadn't seen it yet. So here is the first bit of Coach K's video where he talks about the ACC and the basketball schedule for this upcoming season. Well, we got great news uh, that we actually have a start to the season, a start to practice as we try to navigate uh, through this amazing time in, in our lives. Uh, you know, we're going to uh, start this, our practice. We're allowed to start practice October 14th and start the season November 25th. And uh, it, it looks right now that the most games you could play are 27. Our conference is going to try to play 20 conference games. I think this is the very first time we ever heard from the NCAA that there will be a minimum, uh, you know, they, because they expect cancellations or postponements. And uh, you have to play at least 13 games to be considered for the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that the metrics to figure out who's going to be in the tournament is going to be extraordinary <laughs> to, to figure that out. So, guys, we heard from Coach K in that video that the ACC has agreed now that they're going to play 20 games this season, which in a normal year is a lot of games. The ACC has been creeping up that, that schedule over the years, resulting in more conference games, which means the schedule gets harder for individual teams because they're playing more of the conference and, and fewer of the, the by-game opponents. So the schedule keeps getting harder every year. It also means that there are fewer opportunities for non-conference games. We've talked the last few episodes about games that Duke has either announced, like the Champions Classic and the ACC Big Ten Challenge, or some of the new things that they're adding in, including inviting Howard to play in their social justice forward uh, set of games that are going to be played in Cameron in December. So thinking about all of that, I want to get your thoughts on what does the ACC going to the 20-game schedule in this year of a truncated season mean for Duke and the rest of the conference? Donald, I'll give it to you first. So I, I, I think we've talked a little bit about this. We've, As you said, Sam, we've talked more about the non-conference schedule, but we've speculated that we were going to continue with the 20-game schedule that started in its first iteration last year. And I feel like that was, you know, an easy you know, thing to speculate on that because all these conferences are trying to have more games in-house, that 20-game schedule would be something that would be on the table, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. I think when it comes to the actual layout of the schedule, they usually have this thing where they kind of rotate some of the teams. We obviously have a couple of teams that we play every year twice, uh, UNC being the, the most important one. But then you have a couple of teams that you only see once on the road, once away, and they rotate that every couple of years. I wonder if they keep that rotation this year or if they go with more uh, regionalized bubbles so that we can see – we'll see Virginia a couple of times. We'll see UNC, NC State, Wake a couple of times instead of Syracuse or Boston College or Miami or Florida State. I wonder if that's how they make it work. It'll be interesting to see what they decide on that, but I do think having the 20 game schedule makes sense 
as long as we can, again, as Coach K said, keep everything safe. So I, I'm really looking forward to see how that transpires and what the schedule layout actually entails so that we can see how these teams are going to be playing each other home in a way. Jason, I want to get your thoughts on this, specifically about how it relates to Duke and the non-conference schedule, because because I, I think there's still some details the ACC has to work out, as Donald said, about exactly how the conference schedule is going to work. Do they create small bubbles? Do they just go for it the way they're doing with football? But what does this mean for Duke's non-conference schedule? Because I think it says that they're not going to have that many more games to schedule, right? Yeah, it feels to me, the announcement that they're going to play a full 20-game ACC schedule is inherently limiting on the number of non-conference games. And it's starting to feel to me like what college basketball is going to try to do is everybody's going to play non-conference games, you know, Thanksgiving and December. And then we're all going to go back and maybe try to bubble up, maybe like Donald said, regional bubbles, perhaps the entire conference goes and bubbles up in one location. I, I still think that's a possibility. I think I still think that's potentially on the table, but the non-conference schedule is going to come in one chunk. And then the conference schedule is going to come in a whole different chunk you know, perhaps significantly later there. I, I think it's very possible that you're going to see starting around Christmas until the middle of January, a, a college basketball take a huge break as as, you know, players perhaps go home or even if they don't go home as they reach sites where conferences try to bubble up and make sure that that things are are truly safe. But but the non-conference implication is, uh, look, we, we already know Duke is attempting to put together something around Thanksgiving. They have the. Um, uh, the 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 social justice thing that they're doing December fourth and fifth, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, the Champions Classic, you know there may be one or two other games in there, you know perhaps against some smaller regional teams. I I think that's what would make the most sense, um, and that's about it. Uh, I, I it feels to me like you know we're getting somewhere in the range of about five to seven non-conference games, and and that's going to be it for Duke, and they will be I, I bet I I will bet that between Thanksgiving and second week of December, maybe third week of December, we play all our non-conference games and we're done after that. It also means that Duke doesn't have that many non-conference games to play with. And so they have to be very choosy about which ones they go for. Most of them are now at this point already spoken for because the NCAA has limited the, the number of games you can play this season, I think to 26 or 27. Normally it's about 32. And so teams have to be, have to be extra aware of of the number of games that they're that they're scheduling, and it's a good opportunity for Duke to make their to make their schedule as tough as they possibly can, because not every team is going to get to play multiple good opponents in in the non conference. So ultimately, I don't think it, it makes a huge difference for Duke, but um, but maybe it, it shores up the quality of the schedule a little bit. Donald, one last word on this, and then we'll move on to the next segment of Coach K's video. Yeah, that last part that you mentioned brings up a good point that Coach K mentioned in this first little minute of this video about the metrics that are going to be used for deciding who goes to the NCAA tournament, however big or normal it may be this year. I think when it comes to, you were talking about the maximum number of games being at 26 or 27 if you do a multi-team event. There's also the fact that the minimum number is 13. Normally the minimum number is 25 games. Now it's 13. And that's because the NCAA expects some of these teams to have to postpone games in bulk because of the virus. So the thing about it is, it's going to be telling how teams schedule non-conference games, because for some of these teams, it could be 
that they don't schedule any, that they just go conference only. And there are some who will want to schedule as many as possible in this, in the hope that they can get through a whole season, but knowing that if they run into issues on the back end, that they want to have those games intact. And I think that's why Duke is in a pretty good position with regards to scheduling in a non-conference and having a 20 game schedule, but some teams are going to be right up against that 13 game mark and it'll be telling to see what the NCAA does with those teams especially in a year where you're comparing 13 to 26 or 27. All right so I want to move to the next part of Coach K's video where he talks about our other favorite offseason topic which is lineup speculation just a bit so here is a little more of the Coach K audio. Uh, the, the key thing is though that these kids want to play these kids all over the country want to play you know, what we have to make sure is that we make it as safe as possible. And uh, I can tell you, our school has done an incredible job. Our kids have done a great job. Our staff have done a terrific job. I like our group. They're very enthusiastic. You know, there's uh, not as much separation on our team. In other words, every, every one of our guys is a good player. And so I think we got a chance to see how we improve uh, collectively and our youngsters improve individually. And once we get into five on five, we'll be able to take a better look at uh, how they mesh their talents. And in that, when we see more five on five, we'll see how certain combinations will probably look a little bit better than others. But uh, I like our group. We've been healthy. No one has missed any workouts. And, you know, I hope that we can keep that going. So. We'll keep you abreast of our progress, and you know, thanks for uh, having so much interest in our program. Guys, like I said, if there's one thing we like to speculate on more than the schedule in the offseason, it is what the lineup is going to look like for Duke. And Coach K said that that process of him figuring out who's going to get the minutes and, and with whom is just getting started. So, Jason, what did you hear? Give me your reading from from between the lines on on this beginning of lineup speculation from Coach K. I think it's significant. I, I mean, it may sound like, you know, he's just talking off the cuff. I, I think it's significant that he noted that so many of these guys seem even, that the the level of the team feels different than in past years. I mean, he pointed this out for a reason. And ordinarily, I think he has a really good sense of who his starters are and who else is going to play minutes by this point. And, and uh, he clearly doesn't. Uh, now, I don't, think, I don't think that's because he doesn't have good players returning. I mean, he, I, I, I talked last podcast. Duke, Duke, has, Duke could start five guys um, who all have extensive college basketball experience, who Coach K knows their game pretty darn well. I'm including Patrick Tepe in that. Um, because this is a guy who's who's already played three years of college basketball, even though he's a transfer. Um, so it's not because Coach K doesn't know what he can get from these guys. I think it's because, as we saw in in the video that we spent a long time dissecting last week, there are a lot of guys who can do a lot of interesting things. And and I I take it from this that there is a real possibility that we see something we haven't seen very much from Duke, which is a true ten deep, maybe even dare I say it, eleven deep team. I don't know that we're going to go eleven. I I feel like probably someone is just going to get squeezed out there. Um, I don't want to speculate who it is yet because we just haven't seen enough of all these guys to, to necessarily know. But man, it, it sure feels like Coach K is going to 
be able to play a lot of different guys in a lot of different combinations. Um, and and again, I, I will t I'll tell everybody out there, the reason we're playing this audio, the reason we're dissecting this Coach K audio, I heard it and it was this line that he gave about the guys feeling really even and him not knowing who is going to separate themselves that made me say, we need to play this for the, for the audience. And we need to talk about the fact that there's a real possibility that we're looking at the deepest Duke team in a long, long time. Look, Jason, all of that was terrific. And again, eloquent and very accurate, but you forgot the biggest part. He said more five V fives. We just had a whole episode where he talked about five V five footage. That means more footage from Duke blue planet on five V fives. Once this practice practices really get started. So that is what I'm excited for. Because again, I just like coach, I think that's where you see some of these combos that we can go. Hmm. That's interesting. Or these guys play well together. These guys pair well together. This combo was great. I want to see what that looks like because again, with COVID, we're not going to get a blue-white scrimmage. We're not going to get those exhibition games. So we aren't going to get to see this occur until November 25th in the flesh. So the more opportunity that they have to get some scrimmages going between each other, that competition, that healthy competition that we referred to last episode, and hopefully to get some more of that uh, footage for us to over-speculate on and, and dissect with a, a fine-tooth comb, I, I think that is something that, we'll see some of that separation. And, and honestly, I think we don't have separation now. That doesn't necessarily mean that on November 25th that we're still going to be even. I think there's still going to be some guys that get 30 to 35 minutes a game, which will leave less minutes for those guys that are 9, 10, 11 on the bench. Sam, when we get to the predictions game, one of the most difficult predictions this year is going to be number of players to average double-digit minutes. Because um, you could – in an ordinary Coach K season, seven, 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 maybe eight. One of maybe us is going to pick 10. Maybe mm -hmm. six, yeah. One of us is going to pick 10. And honestly, the way the uncertainty of this season's going, having more guys play every game actually sounds like a great idea to me because you're going to keep everybody fresh. You don't know when your next game is going to be. You have to play with that kind of urgency. That's a of, great point. Hey, yeah. you know, we play tonight like there is no game on Wednesday because there may not be. And then, and if there's no game on Wednesday, when's the next time you play? We, I think we'll talk a little bit about it. But I think the NCAA, when they came out with some of their guidelines, that point that they have in their guidelines about testing and quarantining really leads me to believe that there could be opportunities or, or possibilities that we play a game. And then all of a sudden, right before our next game, we find out that we don't play for two weeks or we find out that another team isn't playing for two weeks. So that is something that I think having more guys fresh and ready to play, that is going to be a key thing for this team this year. Another interesting component to thinking about how practice plays into games this year is that normally Duke plays practice. Maybe they practice on Coach K court at Cameron Indoor, but usually they're practicing in the K Center. and and they really can't simulate what it's like to be in a packed Cameron or a packed Dean Dome or a packed, you name ACC arena. This year, we don't know yet if there will be fans. If there are fans, there are likely to be many fewer of them. Some football stadiums, like at, at Notre Dame the other week when Duke played there, it was just family and you know players' families and students who were allowed at the game. Perhaps something like that is coming for Duke this year. 
I can guarantee you that if students are allowed into the game, they will not be jammed into Section 17 the way that they normally are. They will be spread around the court. And therefore, even if they are able to conduct cheers, it's not going to be at the same intensity as it normally is. So Duke is going to be playing in non-ideal conditions in basketball this year. So the practices are going to simulate the games a lot more closely than they do in normal years. You've seen with the NBA in the bubble, they've talked about how Look, they can pipe in the noise. They can put the fan pictures on the on the walls. They can have the you know the fans making making uh, noises and 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 trying to distract during free throws. But it's not like it is in a normal NBA arena. It is not like the Staples Center at the Wide World of Sports at Disney. So it's going to be the same problem for Duke. Which guys are going to be able to step up when the lights are on, but the camera is not quite as as bright as it normally is. And also with regards to simulating conditions, th- you just mentioned it. I think this might be the best year possible for them to simulate the conditions that at least in the beginning of the season that they're going to experience when they step on the floor of Cameron. We already have Duke volleyball is in their season and Duke women's basketball usually uses Cameron to practice with us in the uh, case or with the, with the guys in the K center. But I think there's going to be a lot of cooperation between all three of these teams to make sure that they all get to have scrimmages in Cameron because an empty Cameron is going to be expected at least for the first part of the season. And they will get to envision what it will feel like to be in an empty Cameron where it's something that no other, you know, no other Duke team has had to experience. They get to simulate those conditions. So it'll be interesting to see if they take advantage of that. I want to get to the last segment of Coach K's video. It's probably the least revelatory of the of the entire video, but it does send what we here at the DBR podcast feel is an important message. And also, don't let up. You know, like don't let up. You know, keep doing the things that are necessary uh, to mitigate this virus and get rid of this virus. And uh, uh, I know we're masked all the time. Obviously, I'm socially distanced from what I'm doing right now. But I wear it all the time, and I wear it when we're with our team. Uh, our team wears it all the time except when they're, when they're practicing. So it's, it's a good thing to do. And uh, so God bless you, and stay safe. So you heard it from Coach K. You've heard it from us all summer. Keep wearing your masks. Hopefully – this thing will be over sooner than later, and we can all get back to seeing Duke basketball games with fans in attendance. Guys, I want to move on to the other bit of media that Duke men's basketball put out this week on social media. It was Duke Blue Planet, a an extended video like they've done the last couple of years where they show the guys on the court practicing, but also off the court enjoying all the things that are fun about being a Duke basketball player. There's always lots of shoes. We always see lots of shoes. We love seeing the shoes. We love talking about the shoes. Jason, Mars, I'm going to go it's to you. be the shoes that I thought you were going to go into a Mars Blackman uh, impression. It's, money, money. That, sure. Go for it. Um, I no, I, Jason, I, I, I want to come to you first. We have to, we have to talk about the whole Duke blue planet video because what good are we here? If we can't dissect all the, all the funny, uh, interesting things that happen, the preview for the video featured uh, freshman center, Mark Williams, uh, jumping over Cameron Indoor Stadium, which was fun. But what else was in the video that you enjoyed or found particularly insightful? So the video starts out with what is clearly a, a very early morning practice. All the guys are talking about how it's cold and they're tired and it's really early. Joey Baker By the way, says it's only it's only September in Durham. How cold could yeah. it be even at six o'clock in the morning? 
Hey, when it's know. when it's a hundred every day for a summer and it gets down to eighty, eighty is cold. They're like, yo, let me throw on a long sleeve t shirt. <laughs> or short sleeve t shirt. These guys are wearing tank tops outside. So yeah. Make sure they make sure they stay keep those muscles warm and loose. But I, I don't know. I wish they would have told us more of what was going on because Joey Baker says he's been up since 3.30 a.m. in some kind of anticipation. So I, I was expecting he's just, something. He's just on that. He's just on that Jimmy Butler grind. <laughs> everyone, everyone is, everyone's living the Jimmy Butler life right now. Um, so, th- so the video shows us some conditioning work. Um, I noticed Henry Coleman and DJ Stewart doing a very elaborate handshake at one point. I'm going to have to dive deeper into that, do a little Zapruder film examination to figure out the handshake. Um, and then the video gets us into more five on five. And at first I thought it was new. I was like, Ooh, more new five on five video. It's the same. It's not the exact same video, but it's clearly from the same game. The way I knew it was the same video was because at one point they show a a sick one-handed tomahawk dunk by Jamin Brakefield. And I'm like, either he does that in practice every single day, or this is the same video because he did that dunk in the other video. So I'm not sure which it is. I kind of hope he does it every day, but I suspect this was a little. It was a, it was the same video. clip. It was the same yeah. clip they've been they've been teasing for all the videos that they've done, uh, which which I'm okay with because it's a monster dunk. But but so the thing that I noticed during the five on five that I thought was really interesting was um, Nate James at one point is really urging DJ Stewart to to play really tough defense. He wants him up up in the face of the guy he's guarding and. Uh, and, and DJ does that, and his man makes a weak pass, and Goldwire gets a steal that leads to a dunk by Henry Coleman. And Nate James on the sidelines is just screaming, that's because of you, DJ. That's because of you. And, uh, you know, it, even though it's technically – technically these guys aren't allowed to coach, um, you know, there's some sort of – there's some complicated NCA rules around all this stuff. I, I just thought it was very interesting to see – him so clearly identifying to these guys, look, in the stat book, Goldwire's the one who got the steal and Coleman's the one who got the points. But for the Duke coaches, the guy who made that play was DJ Stewart, who was playing the hard D that led to the bad play. Um, and so that's, I think that's just a really important, really interesting kind of thing. Uh, from there, the video goes to uh, the guys getting a special treat in the locker room. They get some Normatech gear. So again, I'm the guy who does the research. I looked online. I tried to figure out what, because they never, the guys are real excited about it, but we never learned what the Normatech gear is. I have looked into this. It is this special like boot that covers your entire leg and it uses like massage and pulsing technology to help you recover from your workout. Um, it looks really interesting and uh, and A lot and of runners cool. use it. A lot of uh, basketball players use it. And if you look at it, it looks like, uh, it looks like you put like a, a, a bag on your feet, on your yes. legs. And yeah. some of them, they even put water in the water circulates through there hot and cold. And that's what gives you the pulsating and the, and the massaging uh, things that you see. And it, it all depends on the brand. So, uh, so anyway, uh, a, a, a Normatech boot for your legs is about a thousand bucks. So these guys are being treated right by Duke. Although I'm sure that Normatech probably g- donates that stuff to Duke because just for the attention in, in this one video, I mean, look, we know more about Normatech now than any of us did beforehand. And then here's the most important stuff. We then, the video then takes us back to the Washington Duke to go into Jamin Brakefield's room, Mark Williams's room, and Henry Coleman's room. And we learn some really important stuff about the guys here. First of all, Mark Williams has flashing LED lights all across his ceiling. Additionally, Mark Williams loves Oreo cookies. 
If you want to be on Mark Williams' good side, you get some Oreo cookies. And by the way, in every single second of this video, I keep on being struck by how tall Mark Williams is. It is crazy. On a team full of basketball players, Mark Williams looks like he's a basketball player with normal people. He is and by so the way, tall. When you're, when you're that tall and still only 18 years old, you can basically eat an unlimited number of Oreo cookies and nothing will happen to you. I, I want to talk with Mark Williams because I am an Oreo kind of sewer. Oreo, Oreos comes out with a bunch of different flavors every now and then. Some are limited edition. Some you can only find in regional bases. So I want to know his ranking of all of the Oreo flavors because me and him have to have the chat. If there's some in Durham that I don't know about, then I need to make a trip down there to see him. Donald, so, I don't so, want to get I don't want to get too detailed on on the Oreo preferences, but I do need to know: Are you a single stuff or a double stuff guy? Oh, double stuff all day, double stuff. You, Mega you stuff. like the you like the ratio of the extra stuff? Absolutely. And some it, here's the thing: some cookies don't have that, but when they do have it, pff, more like triple mega stuff, all them stuffs. I, I have one thing to say to this conversation: I actually like the vanilla Oreo. Get out! Oh, of here. I Stop do too. That. I do too. Oh, come on. Hey, hey, hey. We we got we gotta stay on topic here because we could go again. I'm a connoisseur. I can go on this all day. So so wait, so wait. So you'll appreciate this. In addition to finding out that Mark Williams loves Oreo cookies, we also discover that Jamin Brakefield loves, wait for it. I froze frame people. It, it, It was not, it was very dark. The video, you had to like break the video down frame by frame, but I froze frame and I discovered that Jamin Brakefield loves Scooby-Doo graham cracker Scooby snacks. I have nothing more to say than that. He loves Scooby-Doo graham cracker Scooby snacks. Hey, and I am okay with that too. (laughs) Those are good too. And in terms of snacks, Henry Coleman, Henry Coleman gets credit for turning the entire team onto insomnia cookies. If you have never, if you do not live in a city that has an insomnia cookies, I feel sorry for you. It is a pity that you have not been able to experience them. They are truly magical. And Henry Coleman, uh, Jamin Brakefield says that Henry Coleman told them all about insomnia cookies. And as a result, the entire team is now addicted to insomnia cookies. And then the last thing is, yes, the last thing is that Henry Coleman's room. I mean, like, how do you not love Henry Coleman? On the wall of his room, again, this is a hotel room. He has fishing rods on the wall and pictures of his favorite national parks, as well as a picture of Frank Ocean and Freddie Mercury. Come on, can you be any cooler than the dude who puts fishing rods, national parks, Frank Ocean, and Freddie Mercury on your walls? I want to be Henry Coleman. That's the smartest, coolest guy around. Henry Coleman is the most interesting man on Duke basketball. Just not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> I think I think it I think for a long time it's been Shane Battier. I feel like Shane Battier has the most sort of diverse set of of interests and and things that he likes to religion talk publicly major. about. Shane Battier and, religion right. major. That's yeah, all you I, need well, to know. I think yeah. he was a I think he was a, a double major. I think he was religion and history or or but yeah. but Henry Clo- Henry Coleman is, is 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 completely lapping him in in this department. He has way more interests and he's like 80. So if you know, if the next video doesn't show him at a pond or or somewhere fishing, then Duke Blue Planet. I I, I don't like to say that what, you guys will have failed us, but you yeah. will have failed us. <laughs> what's the What's the point of all of this if we can't get footage of Henry Coleman fishing? Exactly, exactly. And honestly, with all of that, I it really what these things do is give us kind of an in depth look at what their lives are like. And this year, especially, it's cool to see that they're at least having some sort of college experience that 
appears to be normal. Yes, they're living at the Waduke. That's not normal. But it does feel like I've been in the Waduke. I've stayed there. When I walked in, when you walk into Mark Williams's room, it doesn't look like a hotel room. It does look like a dorm room, a very nice one. Uh, LED lights. He's got LED lights. LED lights. It's awesome. But, but I do like that they've been able to kind of personalize these rooms and make it home while they're here and making the best of what is obviously a very you know weird situation that they're going through with regards to living in a dorm room that is a hotel room. Uh, and the football team's doing the same thing as well. So I, it's basically the Waduke has become a an athlete's dorm of sorts so it's interesting to see how that works out and it's good that they kind of detailed that uh, so we can kind of get to know some of these kids so we are done now with the general duke basketball news we need to unfortunately talk a little bit about the football team again but we are going to do that just after this quick break Guys, unfortunately, we're back from the break, and that means it's time to talk about Duke football. They continued their streak of somewhat depressing losses this week. It was supposed to be a good game against the Virginia Cavaliers up in Charlottesville, and it ended up being a blowout, going away, really. Duke Duke was kind of back and forth with UVA throughout the game, but then the Hoos pulled away late. Kind of looks like the game that Duke played against Boston College last week, but this one in some ways even more egregious chase Bryce threw four picks UVA almost doubled Duke in the final score it was 38 to 20 Donald I'll go to you first what are they going to do next uh I hope next week that we don't have seven turnovers because last last night we had seven turnovers let me say that again one two three four five six seven turnovers we lead the league I'm sorry we lead the we lead the nation in turnovers. That's not a good thing to be number one at. And Hey, hey, hey Donald, just really quick. Um, mm-hmm. So I saw a stat, uh, Adam Rowe on Twitter, uh, who, who is just great on Duke content, said since the start of last season, Duke has played 15 games. Since the start of last season, we played 15 games. We have 42 turnovers in those 15 games. That's almost three turnovers per game. Uh, yeah. I mean. That's awful. I mean, that, Period in no the story. We it. can't say anything else. Yeah. There's oh. no way to put that other than that's awful. And in that kills drives. We had so many drives that were going downfield. We looked like we were going to make something happen. And then, a, and then a turnover happens. Chase Bryce couldn't take care of the football. Our, our running backs couldn't take care of the football. Our wide receivers couldn't take care of the football. Our tight ends couldn't take care of the football. If we don't have the football, it's very hard to score. And unless, unless you're trying to get 11 safeties, in a game, it's very hard to run up the score without having the football. And when you give it back to the other team, they're going to go down and score points. And that's really what happened in this game. It, every single time that we thought we were going to make something happen and get some momentum and, and score some points, our drives were stalled. We would kick field goals or our drives were stalled because of the fact that we gave back the ball to Virginia. And we can't do that. We, we've said this every week. We can't do we can't turn the ball over so many times and still expect to win football games and it seems like we've regressed quite a bit since that opening weekend where we thought we had some bright spots that we could improve on and it doesn't seem like we've improved it seems like we've regressed back to dare i say pre-cutcliffe era type of duke football which is not good because 
I I had to watch a lot of that. Sam had to watch a lot of that. Jason had to watch a lot of that. We don't like watching that kind of football. And it, that was what we saw in the fourth quarter. Uh, yesterday, we've seen it time and time again this season. And something really needs to be uh, – something really needs to change because otherwise this season is going to run away from us very, very quickly. So there were four words yesterday on the broadcast that I heard again and again and again. Those four words were, that pass was overthrown. Over the head of the receiver was like the mantra of virtually every time Chase Bryce dropped back and had to throw the ball more than you know seven yards downfield. Look, there's a reality, which is that Chase Bryce has not had a lot of time working with David Cutcliffe and these receivers. Um, and as frustrating as the past couple of weeks have been, as bad as the team looks, to some extent, you have to give all these guys a mulligan. I mean, coronavirus has changed the way teams prepare. Um, most of the ACC had players back on campus on June 1st. Duke didn't bring them back till July 12th. Um, I, I don't know. We haven't heard, you know, to what extent Duke is, is conducting their practices, um, to what extent they're trying to maintain, you know, safe social distancing kind of stuff, which, which is obviously impossible to do while playing football. We don't know how any of those things um, have impacted this crazy season, but we know that practice has to be different than it used to be. We know that off-season workouts were non-existent. We know that the way people are being careful can affect communication in addition to actual physical workouts. So to some extent, I want to give Coach Cutcliffe a little bit of a pass on this year. To some extent, I want to give Chase Bryce a little bit of a pass on this year. Uh, Duke should be praised for being among the tops in the ACC, perhaps I believe the best team and school in the entire ACC at controlling the coronavirus. That should count for something. Unfortunately, it does not count for points on the scoreboard at all. And... Uh, I, I have to wonder, David Cutcliffe made himself the offensive coordinator in the offseason after last year. He said, I'm taking over as the play caller, as the OC. The offense has tanked. The offense is not executing well at all. One thing about turnovers is that your defense doesn't commit turnovers. Your offense commits the turnovers, and the turnovers have been insane this season. I know he hasn't had time to coach, to coach Chase Bryce up very much, but the kid looks absolutely lost out there. And the reality is that there are a lot of longtime loyal Duke fans. I mean, people that I know who have watched this program for a long, long time and have put up with some bad, bad years who are very, very patient. There are a lot of them who are starting to wonder, not quietly, but out loud, if we're getting to the point where maybe Coach Cutcliffe isn't the right person to lead the Duke program anymore. I want to be clear. David Cutcliffe gets to leave on his own terms. He has done so much for the Duke football program, that he gets to call it on his own. I am not saying he should be forced out. I am not calling for him to leave. But I will question this. Do you think he's enjoying the past couple of weeks? Do you think he's enjoying the process of coaching the way they are playing right now? Does he really want to continue to do this? No, and I don't think so. I, I, really, honestly, real quick, I, I think you mentioned it. I think uncertainty is a huge derailer. And it can be, and it really has proven that 
uh, not just in this case, but you know, the fact that this game yesterday shouldn't have been played yesterday. We should have been on a bye uh, because that game was originally scheduled for November. And with other teams not being safe, we, you know, we had to play them then, but really it, there's that. There's also the fact that we're going up against Virginia tech next week. Virginia tech had 23 players unavailable yesterday, presumably because of COVID that can't be good for the psyche and having to know that you're going to face a team that, you know, we're a third of the team had COVID has had two games already postponed because of COVID that by the way, it's, it's worth noting. Them. It's worth noting that, that the one third of Virginia tech or the two thirds that did play kicked NC state's butt. <laughs> yes. That also that like, we also have that, but at the end of the day, despite all that, despite all what you said, the, ex- it's not an excuse for the performances and, you know, there is a lot of chemistry that has been, it's not there. Uh, and what they need to do this week is figure out where that chemistry is and, and find it. Because like you said, a good Virginia tech team is, is coming and we cannot play like we did yesterday against them because that 38 20 result will be a lot worse. If we're doing that against Virginia tech, who looked really good with the te- with the guys that they did have. So that is what I'm looking at. I don't know as far as the Cutcliffe, you know, thing. I again, I think he should be leaving on his own terms. I do think that the the running game there was wasn't there yesterday again. Um, the and that doesn't help the overall flow of the offense. And Chase Bryce just looks lost out there, as you mentioned. There's a lot that needs to change and a lot of pride that needs to be swallowed. If Coach K or if Coach Cut needs to say, "Hey, someone else take these responsibilities so I can get back to what's what I'm really good at, that's fine. But something needs to happen in the next couple of weeks because otherwise people are going to really lose interest in this football team because they're not giving any reasons for us to, to tune in. I agree with Donald on that last point that Coach Cutcliffe, I think, is self-aware enough to to realize when a thing is not working. Perhaps he continues trying to coach the offense this year, if only for continuity's sake, if only so that they don't have to blow up the playbook and, and change everything midseason. Maybe he he makes a, a change in the in the day-to-day stuff when the team reaches its first buy in a couple of weeks. But I I I see this entire season as being kind of a, a one-off, not just for Duke, for everybody. Um, if your if your team is great this year, that's awesome. Good for you. You you managed to get through all of the weirdness of this season better than the other teams did. But if your team is not great this season, I think there are so many factors that go into it. It's not just lost practice time. It's it's which players you have in the program and what situations they're coming from and what the pandemic looks like on your campus and in your town. I mean, there are so many factors in here that that are so far away from the football field that I'm having a hard time really saying, yep, this is the, this is the trend. And this is it for, for coach Cutcliffe at Duke. Now, if, if it, if we come back next year and and things are more or less back to normal and, and the team is still turning the ball over like crazy and Chase Bryce is still there, not able to to conduct the offense that well, it's a different conversation. But for now, I, I feel like I want to put it off. I still, I still feel like, Duke is not going to going to find a a staff and a head coach that is notably better than what Coach Cutcliffe brings to the program right now. And and I could be proven wrong. Duke has reached higher heights than they than they have during the Cutcliffe era. But um, I just don't know if that's going to happen at this moment. Jason, why don't you take a a final word on this topic and then we'll we'll wrap for this week. 
Well, so so the thing I wanted to say about Cutcliffe, uh, no matter what, you have to give him credit for this. He has turned the Duke job into, uh, Sam, despite what you just said, I think that if, again, it's it's up to Cutcliffe in my opinion, I think everyone agrees about that. If for some reason David Cutcliffe decides he doesn't want to coach Duke any longer, there will be some very good coaches who will be interested in this job. He has He has shown what a lot of people thought was not possible, which is that you can win, you can make bowl games, you can be a real contender at Duke University. People did not think that was possible before David Cutcliffe arrived. And look, we had a three-year run where we won 27 games, an average of nine games a year. And we were a, we, we won the Coastal one year and we were a huge contender to win the Coastal in several other years. Cutcliffe has taken Duke to the level that people now understand this is a school that can compete with just about anybody out there. So I give him tremendous credit for that. And unlike when we hired him and we didn't have many other options, if, if, if David Cutcliffe doesn't want to coach anymore, there will be options for the Duke football program. Donald? And and not to make it all doom and gloom about what we just discussed, because yesterday was, was atrocious, but this isn't the end of the season, ladies and gentlemen, because the NCAA is considering, and I think they're going to meet on this on October 13th, when they discuss college basketball as well, they are considering making it where any team who qualifies via APR, that's the graduation metrics that they have, they would qualify for bowl games and that every team would be considered in this season for a bowl game if they meet that threshold. Duke is one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in the country, every single year when it comes to that APR rate. So, But the problem is, is you want to be able to showcase your team to tell these bulls, hey, yes, we may be five and five. We may be four and six, but we deserve to have a bowl game. You want us on TV. People would want to watch us. That's what I want to see over these next couple of weeks leading up to the bye. They need to play a brand of football that says Duke football will not quit. They will not give up. And they will be a team that you want to have on your TV screen come bowl season. So that's what this is all about. And you know, again, we talk about those extra practices, but really, if we can showcase to say, hey, I know those first three games were were not good, but we are an improving team. And by the time December hits, you want to take us over a Big Ten team that is two and five because they only played seven games. So that is what we want to see. It starts this week against Virginia Tech. Let's see if we can improve and get better as the season goes along, because we really want to make sure that this season ends on the high note. Okay, we will take a final note on this episode before we wrap up. Just quickly about any NBA topics, if you guys have anything to to discuss. We are winding down on the NBA season. As of this recording, the Lakers have, have punched their ticket into the NBA Finals. So LeBron is back, I think, for his his ninth finals in 10 years or 10th and 11th years, 10th and 11 years. He's it's crazy. Um, the the Celtics are still hanging on against the Heat. We'll see if they can can make the comeback there. But any final thoughts on on anything NBA related before we wrap for this episode, Jason? So I, I heard an incredible um, stat about the Boston Celtics um, and Jason Tatum in, in particular. Uh, the grand total. The entire universe of players who have played in the NBA playoffs under the age of of 22 or younger. Here's the the list of players who have scored 
at least 800 points, grabbed at least 300 rebounds, and have at least 100 assists in, in the playoffs before the age of 22. That list consists of Jason Tatum and Kobe Bryant. Period. Done. End of story. The, the stats come out literally every game that Jason Tatum plays, that he is doing things that really have only been done by like Larry Bird or Kobe Bryant or LeBron. I mean, like he is in such rare company in terms of what he's accomplishing at this point in his career. We are fortunate, lucky to have had this kid at the Duke program and representing Duke because he is going to be uh, one of the greats. He was instrumental in making uh, game five go the Celtics way and making this a series. But I will give kudos uh, to the Lakers and especially to friend of the podcast, Quinn Cook. He is back in the NBA Finals as a member of the Lakers. Uh, so, uh, Quinn Cook, congratulations and best of luck in the finals. You, you already have a ring. Might as well go for another one. So, we will talk about all of this stuff again. I'm sure next week there will be more Duke football. Hopefully, there are Duke football wins to talk about and not losses. I am sure there will be more Duke basketball schedules. There will be more Duke basketball social media to dissect all of it. We will be here to talk about it. If you have any questions or comments for us, of course, you can always email them to dbrpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a review for us anywhere you find podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed to the show. And otherwise, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. So for Donald Wine, for Jason Evans, this is Sam Klein. This has been episode 235 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast, Duke Band. Take us home.